Welcome and bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Memphis! And if you listen to the beat and it was in your soul, you'll never let anyone stay. You're rotten hope. If you listen to the beat and it was in your soul. doing i hope this episode finds you well happy new year isn't it annoying when people say things like oh it's just a number who cares it's just another day nothing's gonna change Uh, who cares who gives a shit who gives a fuck fuck you bullshit uh get fucked stop it Just let people have a moment. Allow us to celebrate a transition, okay? A transition. Allow us to celebrate an anniversary. That's right. We are recording this episode on the second anniversary of the podcast, The Musical Man. Oh my goodness, two years. (laughs) We are now officially in our third year, Patty Benny. This is huge. This is huge. I still have not come up with a birthday present for Benny. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, I'm going to have to figure that out. But let's just take a moment to celebrate this transition from our second year into our third year. We have so many shows left to discuss, but we are going to keep moving forward with the support of our team, but also, of course, with the support of our listeners and our patrons. Oh my goodness, thank you for sticking with us through this very difficult year. We are going to keep providing you these excellent episodes week in and week out, along with all of that Patreon content. So I hope you have been enjoying. I hope you have been enjoying the show, yeah? And I hope you continue to enjoy the show. I do have an announcement regarding the Cream Pie Cutie Club. As you may or may not know, the Cream Pie Cutie Club is populated with Broadway and West End actors who I would like to have... Ooh, I would like them to turn me into a cream pie, is what I am trying to say. Those are the two requirements. They have to have at least one Broadway or West End credit, and I have to be capable of imagining them throwing me onto my backside and turning me into a cream pie. This podcast is not for children. We got some suggestions from listener and patron Mark S. regarding who should be in the Cream Pie Cutie Club, okay? He suggested Jonathan Bailey of the recent West End revival of Company. I said yes to that. Marquez also suggested West End actor-singer-songwriter Declan Bennett. I said yes to Declan Bennett. Congratulations! You're in the CPCC. And finally, Marquez suggested Jay Perry of the West End Motown and Hamilton Productions. To that suggestion, I said yes! Yes to Jay Perry. All three of these fine, fine cream pie cuties are now in the Cream Pie Cutie Club. If you have suggestions for the CPCC, feel free to reach out to me via email, musicalmanpod at gmail.com, or if you're like Marcus, you can reach out to me via DM through Twitter. Our Twitter profile is musicalmanpod. If you're not already following us, who is already in the club? You might be wondering. I think we talked about the club a couple of weeks ago, but I did not provide a rundown of our current roster. So here's the roster, okay? Listen up. Listen carefully. Do not suggest 
just to these people, for they are already in the club. Isaac Cole Powell, Hector Rivera, Ben Platt, Telly Leung, Jelani Aladdin, Devaney Law, Sam Tutty, Charlie Stemp, Ethan Slater, Luke Brady, Jordan Fisher, Matt Manuel, Anthony Ramos, Ramin Karamlu, Harvey Firestein, Jeremy Jordan, Tommy Bracco, Daniel Radcliffe, Lynn Manuel Miranda, Nick Robertson, Chris McCarroll, Tom Holland, Nick Jonas, Raul Esparza, Jonathan Groff, Christian Borrell, David Diggs, Conrad Ricamora, Matt Doyle, Tony Asbeck, Darren Chris, Andrew Rannells, Jake Gyllenhaal, Nathan Lane, Douglas Sills, Wesley Taylor, Leslie Odom Jr., Bryce Pinkham, and now Jonathan Bailey, Declan Bennett, and Jay Perry. That's it! Okay, that's the current roster, but we have room for more cream pie cuties, so send me those suggestions, okay? Okay, and don't feel bad if I'm not attracted to them, okay? Don't feel bad if I say no to you because I'm not attracted to the person you're suggesting. Are we clear on that point? Are we clear on that point? Okay, let's get the show facts for Memphis. Show me the show facts all right. Memphis is the 2010, the 2010 winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on October 19th, 2009 at the Schubert Theater and ran for 1,165 performances. It is currently tied with the original 1969 production of Cabaret as the 94th longest running production in Broadway history. Those shows are sitting between once at number 93, 1,168 performances, and the 1951 Joshua Logan play Mr. Roberts at number 96, 1,157 performances. The Book of Memphis was written by Joe DiPietro. The music was by David Bryan of Bon Jovi fame. Hello. The lyrics were written by Joe DiPietro and David Bryan. The director of Memphis, Christopher Ashley. The musical director, Kenny Seymour. Choreographer, Sergio Trulio. Scenic design, David Gallo. Lighting design, Howell Binkley. Sound design, Ken Travis. And costume design, Paul Taswell. To review, and this should sound familiar by now, the writers and director of Memphis are white men. The only people of color in production are choreographer Sergio Trulio and costume designer Paul Taswell. Everyone else we have cited today is a white man, the only woman in production who does not have an associate or assistant position is makeup designer Angelina Avalon, who is white. Alright, I just want you to keep those show facts in mind. Those are important show facts. The original Broadway cast of Memphis included Montego, Glover, Chad, Kimball, Jennifer Allen, Derek Baskin, Brad Bass, Jay Bernard Calloway, Kevin Covert, James Monroe, Iglehart of the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, Aladdin, Hamilton, and Freestyle Love Supreme. The cast of Memphis also included John Jellison, Michael McGrath, Cass Morgan, John Eric Parker, and Laquette Charnel. Tony Knotts. The production won Best Musical, of course, but also Best Book of a Musical, Joe DiPietro, Best Original Score, Joe DiPietro and David Bryan, and Best Orchestrations, Daryl Waters and David Bryan. The production was additionally nominated for Best Actor in a Musical, Chad Kimball, Best Actress in a Musical, Montego Glover, Best Direction of a Musical, Christopher Ashley, and Best Costume Design, Paul Taswell. So, in total, eight nominations, four awards at the end of the evening. Let's talk about about the plot of Memphis. Memphis, Tennessee, the 1950s, all right? Huey Calhoun, a white man, moseys into a bar named after its owner, Del Rey. The black patrons of the bar are unnerved by Huey's presence, but Huey assures them they have nothing to worry about. He simply enjoys their rock and roll music. To prove it, Huey seats himself at a piano and delivers a heartfelt ballad. How could a white man with hate in his heart perform such a song, I ask you? How? How, 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 how. The next day, Huey faces the prospect of losing his job at a department store. Our underdog strikes a deal with the owner. If Huey can sell five records in the next few minutes, he will not only stay on at the store, but be promoted from stock boy to salesman. The owner agrees, albeit reluctantly. Huey plays a rock record over the loudspeaker, and 29 units are sold almost instantly. The owner is incensed. You're fired, Huey Calhoun. No one plays black music in my establishment. 
Huey returns to the bar to speak with Felicia, a talented singer who happens to be Delray's younger sister. There is a spark between Huey and Felicia, but seeing as he is white and she is black, their flirtation only goes so far. Delray is also fiercely protective of his sister, so it stands to reason Huey doesn't have much of a shot. But who has time for love when you're unemployed? Huey needs a job. Determined to become a radio DJ, Huey introduces himself to Mr. Simmons, a station owner who agrees to let our underdog sit in and watch a few broadcasts. Instead, Huey takes over the show and plays a record by black artists. Mr. Simmons is incensed. You get out of here, Huey Calhoun. No one plays black music in my establishment. Well, hold your horses, Mr. Simmons. Teenage listeners dig Huey, and they want to hear more of that hip black music. Mr. Simmons is baffled, but agrees to bring Huey aboard for a two-week trial period. Part of the job involves reading ad copy, but Huey is illiterate. Bobby, a black janitor at the station, helps Huey out by reading the copy for a beer commercial aloud, but the words escape our underdog when he's on mic. Desperate, Huey begins to improvise, concluding the ad with a nonsensical catchphrase, Hock-a-doo! Mr. Simmons is incensed. You're fired, Huey Calhoun. No one makes a fool out of me. Your horses, Mr. Simmons. The beer company dug Huey's wacky improvisation. They sold their entire stock. They want Huey to read all of their ads, and can you believe it? Listeners are going cuckoo over this hockadoo thing. You can't thumb your nose at success, Mr. Simmons. Huey ain't going anywhere. Soon after, Delray makes an important announcement. After years of hard work, he has finally raised enough money to record his sister's music. Huey is ecstatic in the face of Felicia's good news and promises to play her album on the air once it's ready. Unfortunately, our underdog has a racist mother, oh no, who breaks the only copy, oh no. She is positively disgusted by Huey's behavior as of late. No, son of mine is going to play black music, no way, no how. Felicia is understandably heartbroken, but Huey sets things right by arranging for her to sing live over the radio. The performance is a smashing success. Everyone is thrilled, everyone that is except for Delray. He can tell Huey and Felicia are growing closer, and he warns our underdog that if anything should happen to his sister, Huey will be the one who pays. Oh yes, Huey will pay, and he will pay dearly. Flash forward, two years have passed. While on their way to a party at Delray's, Huey officially proposes to Felicia. Until now, their relationship has been kept a carefully guarded secret, and Felicia isn't willing to risk their lives by making it public. Things being the way they are, she simply cannot move forward. The couple share a tender kiss and are spotted by a group of white men. They restrain Huey and proceed to beat Felicia with a bat. Upon arriving at the bar with a badly injured Felicia, Huey is instantly attacked by Delray. Did he not promise Huey would pay if anything happened to his sister. Tensions clear when Delray's friend, Gator, speaks up in favor of Huey. This is no small feat, as Gator has not spoken to anyone since his father was lynched many years ago. He leads the group in a prayer as Delray carries Felicia into an ambulance. Act 2. Time has passed. Huey is now the host of his own television variety show, one that exclusively features black dancers. Felicia is meant to appear as the first guest on the show, but fearing people will suspect she and Huey are together, she backs out at the last minute. Bobby goes on in her place and reveals himself to be an immensely talented performer in his own right. The TV show is a hit. It even manages to capture the attention of a fancy New York City talent agency. There's a brand new nationwide variety show being developed right now, and the agency believes Huey could be the host. Of course, he would have to audition first, and some dopey guy named Dick Clark is also up for the job. Whatever. But there's a solid chance Huey could reach the big time. And get this, the agency also wants to sign Felicia. What could be better? Huey does not like the idea of moving to New York City. A nationwide TV show sounds cool, and Lord knows the Big Apple would be more accepting of an interracial couple, but Memphis is their home, don't they? have enough already? Huey eventually agrees to audition at the behest of his mother, who no longer harbors hatred for Felicia or the black community. Long story short, she watched a black choir perform and had a complete change of heart. 
So does Huey get the job? Indeed he does, but it comes with a terrible catch. If he accepts, he won't be allowed to employ black dancers. No black dancers, Huey. Huey rejects the offer and protests by stripping off his clothes during a live broadcast of his own show. When Felicia announces she'll be going to New York City without Huey, he exposes their relationship and kisses her on the air. The feed is cut, Huey is fired, and Felicia moves to NYC with Del Rey. The party, as they say, is over. Smash cut. Four years later, Huey is toiling away at a crummy radio station when Felicia pays him a visit. She's married now and about to embark on her first national tour. But before that chapter begins, she would like Huey to perform with her one last time. Huey refuses. Who would ever want to see him perform? He's a loser, a has-been. Felicia gives up and makes her exit. That night, while performing for a Memphis crowd, she is startled to find Huey has appeared on stage. He just couldn't stay away. And wouldn't you know it, the audience loves Huey. They never forgot about him. P.S. According to Wikipedia, Memphis is loosely, very loosely based on the lives of Dewey Phillips and Alan Freed, white DJs who featured black artists on their respective shows. This is, from what I can tell, about all they have in common with Huey Calhoun, as neither gentleman was known for being in an interracial relationship. Alan Freed was known for taking a lot of bribes from record companies, but that's neither here nor there. For the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 2010 original Broadway cast album of Memphis. I also watched the 2010 Tony Awards performance of Steal Your Rock and Roll. Let's talk about that for a moment. Memphis is doing everything it can to ride on the coattails of Hairspray, another musical that wants to address racism without sacrificing much in the way of commercial appeal. This week's subject is tougher on its characters, subjecting them to the sort of violence you would never find in a Hairspray, but the thematic value of that violence is negligible. It is manipulative, mean-spirited, and shallow. At the end of the day, Memphis is a theme park show, and no one enjoys or respects a theme park show that tries to slap the audience around. Are you enjoying your funnel cake, Middle America? May I direct your attention to these opioid statistics for nine sobering seconds? Distasteful, unreasonable, shallow. Keyword, is hairspray shallow? Absolutely, definitely, but at least we don't have to watch Penny drag Seaweed's broken body into the record shop. That would feel a tad unearned, don't you think? This is my long way of saying that Memphis is no hairspray and the production's attempt at imitation is less than sincere or flattering. You Can't Stop the Beat is one of the best finales in the history of musical theater. I can absolutely see why it was presented at the Tony Awards. Steal Your Rock and Roll is the pale-faced third cousin of You Can't Stop the Beat and it should have never been chosen for the Tony Awards. Here's the song from Memphis that you choose for the Tony Awards. Underground, full stop. The most memorable lyrics in Steal Your Rock and Roll are na 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 Not exactly a testament to the songwriting. And is it just me, or is Never Let Anyone Steal Your Rock and Roll a naive sentiment for a show that acknowledges the theft of black music by white capitalists? The effects of actual theft can't be solved with a motivational poster. Oh, they stole my rock and roll. Nonsense! Never let anyone steal your rock and roll. Uh, no, I mean they actually stole my music. Well, they can't do that if you never let them. I suppose we're not meant to linger on this for too long. Why have a conversation when a catchphrase will get us out in time for a late supper? I also listened to the 2014 original London cast album of Memphis. The London album features Killian Donnelly as Huey, Beverly Knight as Felicia, and Roland Bell as Del Rey. They're just as talented as their Broadway counterparts, and I'll be calling out Knight and Bell frequently during our score deconstruction. But beyond that, I don't have much to say when it comes to comparing the two recordings. If you only have time for one, uh, flip a coin. They're both solid. The London album does feature one song you won't find on the Broadway recording, that being That's Not Possible, but that song is largely disposable. 
Finally, I tried watching Memphis, direct from Broadway via Broadway HD. Director Don Roy King of Broadway Worldwide shot the production in January 2011, and the film was released in April 2011. Broadway Worldwide is also responsible for filming Smokey Joe's Cafe, Putting It Together, and Jekyll and Hyde with David Hasselhoff. An eclectic resume, to say the very least. I've technically seen the filmed version of Memphis once before, though this would have been years ago. I was eager. I was eager to see it again. Unfortunately, consistent buffering issues prevented me from having that experience, a problem I attribute to Broadway HD. I don't think it's a matter of our internet connection. What's going on, Broadway HD? Is this the shape of things to come? My wallet and I certainly hope not. Here's what I have to say about the quarter hour of footage I was able to get through. The choreography is unimpressive, Chad Kimball's take on Huey is basically Captain Jack Sparrow, and Joe DiPietro's book is remarkably clumsy slash clunky. There are only so many times you can hear black characters say, This is Beale Street! while hanging out in a bar on Beale Street. We got it, Jojo. They're on Beale Street. The more you have them say it, the more you look like a tourist. He's a tourist, Leslie. My brother runs my life. My brother owns this bar. That's right. He won't let me be till it makes me a star. He gives me this mic, makes me sing all I can. Just can't have no fun or talk to no Joe DiPietro and David Bryan are at their best when applying broad strokes. Their wheelhouse is populated with generalizations, the concept of romance, the idea of having fun. It's when they try their hand at specifics that the wheels promptly fall off the bus. The wheels pop off the bus as if they are spring-loaded. Sproing! There goes the bus! Underground is a glaring example of this creative dichotomy. The song is all about having a good time, for the most part. And when it isn't, well, that's when Joe and David's weaknesses are revealed. They have no idea how to dig into character or theme because they have no patience or restraint. Other writers dole out carefully measured quantities of character info. Joe and David do not have time for that. They bury their characters with titanic mounds of character exposition. Everyone sounds as if they are attending an AA meeting. Hello, my name is Felicia. My brother runs my life. My brother owns this bar. He won't let me be till he makes me a star. Where is this coming from? We have to hear this now. I don't hear anyone else in this song offering their bios. Most writers would accept that the subject of race is vast and complex and should thus be approached with care. Joe and David do not have time for that. They point at race and racism as if they are products on a shelf. There they are. We have identified the issues. Our job is done. Your job is not done. What am I to make of these lyrics from Delray? We gonna do some things that you never dared. Ain't no white folks here cause they too damn scared. You know how black people talk to each other when white people aren't around? They say things like, Ain't no white folks here, cause they too damn scared. Very authentic. Allow me to circle back. Underground is all about having a good time, for the most part. And when it is, it's fantastic. Rarely do I encounter an opening number with this much eruptive energy, the kind that leaves my ears ringing and my head spinning. Broadway's James Monroe Iglehart and the West End's Roland Bell have voices that could blow out a power grid, so we need to make sure they are never in the same room. They could very well break the sound barrier.
of my soul is the heartfelt ballad I mentioned during our plot summary, the one Huey performs to prove he is not your average white guy. The scene, which I managed to watch via Broadway HD, raises all sorts of questions. For instance, why are we positioning Huey as a performer? The number is presented diegetically, so we know Huey can sing, he can play the piano, and he can come up with his own songs on the spot. But despite his obvious talents, Huey does not want to be a recording artist. No, he wants to be a radio DJ. Why are you teaching me X if X has nothing to do with anything in the long run? Stop giving me info I can't use, okay? It's annoying. Joe DiPietro's book becomes quite frantic in the moments leading up to this song. No one likes Huey. They're shouting and scrambling for the door. Let's get out of here. You better fix this, Huey. Figure out how to fix this. Oh, well, let me hurl myself at this piano in a half-crazed bid for your approval. There is a lot going into the number, and when we came out of it, I expected to witness some level of fallout. What does everyone think about Huey now? Where does he stand? Seems important, right? Wrong! Apparently, wrong! The song ends, blackout, new scene! All of Huey's songs sound like they're ten seconds away from fully transforming into Mark Cohen's Walkin' in Memphis. I was walking in Memphis! That's not really a strike against the score, by the way. Walkin' in Memphis is not the worst source of inspiration. Musically, soul is above board, but the lyrics are a wee bit trite, wee 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 wee, all the way home. Daddy said you black folks were bad, but you don't make me sad, I'm glad. Piano, piano, piano. You can't convince me the real lyrics are any better than what I just made up. The Broadway version of Soul brings Felicia into the mix at around the midway point, which is a good choice. I like how she turns the song into a spontaneous duet, if only temporarily. The London recording does away with this duet, Killian Donnelly's Huey never has to share the spotlight, and Beverly Knight's Felicia is relegated to a Hail Mary high note as the song comes to a close. I am not a fan of this revision. Huey has plenty of solo material. We can stand to have Huey sing with Felicia at this early stage of the show. Well, they don't really know each other that well, so a duet would be unlikely. A little unrealistic. Uh -huh. moments throughout Memphis when Huey will play a record by a fictional black artist, thereby causing said artist to appear on stage. If the tall head of hair and loud suit are any indication, the actor performing Scratch My Itch is meant to serve as a Little Richard surrogate. The song certainly sounds like a Little Richard tune, but I'm not willing to give Joe and David a lot of credit for pulling off the impression. A lot of people know how to hotwire a style or genre, but pastiche is a little more than parody when curated by those without passion or respect for their sources. In summary, Scratch My Itch is a cultural cartoon drawn by white people. White people who know they should know better. The result? Embarrassment for everyone involved. Hooray! We should also note how none of the records Huey chooses to play run longer than 90 seconds. Black music may drive this story, but we do not have a lot of time to sit around and listen to it, okay? Are you kidding me? The Black music doesn't matter so much as what the black music can do for our white character. How to succeed in centering black culture without really centering black culture. Let us now hear a bit of the other black song, quote unquote, Memphis has to offer. Perhaps it will not make us cringe like nutcrackers. Spoiler alert, it will. 
The song is literally called Everybody Wants to Be Black on a Saturday Night, so maybe we should take a moment to, you know, process that. I'm all about the music. I've been humming the melody all week despite my better judgment, but these lyrics, oh, 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 Joe, David, fellas, you're killing me. I can only imagine what it must be like to be black and to listen to this claptrap. Oh, everybody wants to be black on a Saturday night, huh? Monday through Friday, those days are out, and Sunday is presumably off the table as well. But when it's Saturday and you want to have a good time, that's when you want to be black. And in the world of this musical, that song was written and recorded by black artists. Sure, obviously. Jump back! Woo! Watch your spirit take flight! I want to talk about that section, actually. Actually, let's start from the beginning, okay? Quote, Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to be black on a Saturday night. With this, we are familiar. But then we get, quote, Everybody, everybody, everybody wants to jump back and feel their spirit take flight. Maybe I should sing it, because the whole point is that it sounds awkward when you sing it. Everybody wants to jump back and feel their spirit take flight. It's, okay, so that's not exactly rolling off the tongue. It's not exactly striking the ear as natural. So what's the problem? There's a, there's a little problem here. The staccato delivery and the fact that everybody is the only word in that phrase containing more than two syllables. Everybody wants to be black on a Saturday night, a 14-syllable phrase, contains a four-syllable word, everybody, and a three-syllable word, Saturday. Everybody wants to jump back and feel their spirit take flight, a 15-syllable phrase, contains our trusty four-syllable word, everybody, and a two-syllable word, spirit. The balance is off, okay? I don't write songs for a living, but the balance is off. That's why this sounds so halting and crowded and weird compared to the first phrase. I don't know how to fix this squeaky wheel, but it is about to pop right off the bus. Spring! that we hear from both Montego Glover and Beverly Knight throughout this episode. So when it comes to covering Felicia's material, we'll be switching between the Broadway and London recordings of Memphis. We just heard Glover sing a bit of Colored Woman, and uh, goodness gracious, <laughs> is she ever propping up the material these white composers have handed to her? Glover is a sensation who deserved more. Are you listening, Joe? David, do not make a black woman sing, quote, could he help to free me in reference to a white man. That sort of bullshit wordplay was bizarre when Golden Boy premiered in 1964, and it comes across as positively insane today. My skin is my cage. I'm no longer your slave. Could he help to free me? 
what is wrong with white composers? Are they doing this on purpose? And why are we making Glover recreate the closing moments of And I Am Telling You I'm Not Going? Everything from that song is in this song. A sustained power note. A sudden moment of silence. An explosive final note. Did you think I wouldn't notice, David? Someday I'm gonna do you wrong Someday I'll leave you Leave you Someday I'm gonna steal your heart Someday I'll rip it right into But someday The beauty, the splendor, my lord above. Sunday is a toasty bubble bath of a number that I sink into without hesitation. Congratulations, David Bryan, for once your impersonation of an era and style did not leave me feeling awkward. Don't get me wrong, as an impersonation, this is still flimsy. The song sounds more at home in the 2000s than the 1950s, so you failed in that regard. But I am relishing each and every one of these Sundays, and listening to Glover and Knight on their respective albums is an ultra-soothing experience. You should thank your lucky stars. You had them in your corner, David. Joe, I'm talking to you as well. Don't think I forgot about you, Joe, David. Joe, David. Joe! Now I mean to call you a redneck son of a bitch. No, you are a redneck son of a bitch. And I know you didn't mean to call my club a crappy little club. I guess it is a crappy little club. My parents died young, but they died poor. They left me with my sister, not much more. She had this voice like none I knew, so I opened up my club. What else could I do for my sister? Customers came. I came from nothing. We made some money and I made me a name. I'll make her something. You are stealing this music. That ain't for you to say. Hey, I don't blame your brother. It's the American way. No, no. David, Joe, hi, me again. Hello, the musical man. I hope while you're thanking your lucky stars that you remember James Monroe Iglehart's name. She's My Sister may very well be the weakest song in Memphis, a protracted and laborious argument between Huey and Delray that contains enough exposition to fill the Hoover Dam. My parents were poor, and they died poor, and I swore my sister would never die poor, and that's why I opened this club, and that's why I fight for her every day, and if it's all right with you, I would like to inhale bad, bad stuff. But I'll be damned if James Monroe Iglehart isn't running the table. He is so far above this material, it's a wonder he can read the sheet music. What are we to make of this exchange? Delray says, quote, you're stealing this music, to which Huey responds, quote, that ain't for you to say. Are Joe DiPietro and David Bryan talking to their detractors in this moment? Why does Huey think he has the right to decide who is in the right? Why does the show decide he is right? 
Huey was never stealing anything. He was opening doors for black people. Yes, he capitalized on their talent. And yes, there was probably a discrepancy in pay somewhere along the line. But Huey isn't a bad person. He is a good person. His intentions are good. And the intentions of the show and its composers are good. And intention is all that really matters. Is it hot in here? Let's hear it for her, the beauty, the splendor, my lord above. I almost went with Montego Glover's version of Love Will Stand When All Else Falls, but I figured, heck, why not spend a little more time in oh London, oh merry old England. I really, really like We Will Endure What Life Has In Store. That is a slam dunk musical moment. Memphis is by no means a disaster, and I hope I haven't painted it as such over the last, uh, what, I assume I've been talking for over two hours now. There is a lot going on here that is worth salvaging. I only wish more black composers were given the opportunity to write for Broadway. Put the work of black composers on Broadway. I want to hear their work. I was taught to hate them, was taught to denigrate them. I was taught their lesser in the good Lord's eyes. Can't drink from the same fountain, I'll scream it from the mountain. I'm through with buying all their blasphemous lies. But change them from me. My boy loves your sister, we both know that mister, this ain't no temporary phase, cause my boy is stupid, he's been shot by Cupid, so we got to change our intolerant ways. We will close out this week's deconstruction with Change Don't Come Easy, a wearisome little number performed by Huey's Mama. The character does not have a name, in case you were wondering. The Internet Broadway database officially cites her as Mama. So let me get this straight. The character has her own song, but she doesn't have a name. She never introduces herself. Hi, my name is Lucille. Hi, my name is Luann. Hi, my name is Lucite. Give her a name. A fucking name. And for crying out loud, Cass Morgan, you could at least try to play Mama as if she did not walk off the set of Mad TV. This is not acting. This is a boardwalk caricature come to life. Claire Machen of the London production does a slightly better job of grounding the character so I know it can be done. I am not a fan of the following lyrics. Quote, I was taught to hate them, was taught to denigrate them. Quote, those are lyrics from Mama. Number one, 
This is obviously redundant. We do not have to have the character say, I was taught to hate them, followed immediately by, was taught to denigrate them. Redundant. Number two, Mama's really out here throwing around words like denigrate? Denigrate. I don't think so. I'm not a fan of Mama's behavior as it relates to Delray. She puts a finger in his face and is like, Hey, mister, we're the same, you and I. We're both racist and we need to get over it for the sake of our loved ones. Shut the fuck up, Mama. You and Delray do not have the same histories. You have been not racist for less than 24 hours. And this is probably the first interaction you have ever had with a black person. You do not have any to offer. That is all I have to offer in regards to the deconstruction of the Memphis score, and we are now going to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. I'm going to take a sip of my roasty toasty mug of 5678 Coffee while I listen to this ad with you. Take it away, 5678 Coffee. Defining the original taste of 5678 Coffee. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. Tell me, my dear, does it taste like a saucy French maid tickling your tootsies with a feather duster? Uh, 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 uh. Tell me, my love, does it taste like the roasted interior of a tempestuous thundercloud? Uh, 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 uh. Lay it on me, babe. Does it taste like a woodland nymph eating a pizza, compliments of the Plaza Hotel. <laughs> Give it to me straight, lady. Does it taste like sun-dappled shorelines on a day when the store won't take your stolen credit card? <laughs> Hit me, baby, one more time. Does it taste like dark cherry pits, moonlight boat rides, and toxic love? Um, five, six, seven, eight, coffee. You can count on it. <laughs> Anything can happen on Halloween. Your dog could turn into a cat. <laughs> Final thoughts regarding Memphis. Memphis isn't the first musical we've covered on the podcast to drop the ball when it comes to the subject of race and it will surely not be the last. The score manages to stand on its own every now and then, but for the most part, these songs are held aloft by phenomenally talented black actors. I am tired of that trend. Live up to the talent of your talent, white composers. Stop asking actors of color to stoop down and lift your asses up. Come to think of it, the Memphis score is long in the tooth, and we could stand to cut a few numbers, specifically tear down the house, change don't come easy, radio, and ain't nothing but a kiss. These songs hit emotional beats and play with styles that are covered more effectively at other points in the show, so let's cut them! No one ever said a Broadway musical had to have 20-plus songs. P.S. Joe DiPietro and David Bryan wrote the book and score for Diana, a true musical story. Should I be worried about that show? I'm thinking I should be worried. If not for any other reason than that subtitle, a true musical story, a true musical story. Casper the Friendly Musical. Okay, so in 2010, as a reminder, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Memphis, and the additional nominees that year were American Idiot, Fella, and Million Dollar Quartet. I do not believe that ultimately Memphis should have won the Tony Award for Best Musical. At the same time, I'm not really familiar with American Idiot or Fella. My instinct is that Million Dollar Quartet is a much more successful attempt at pastiche, cashing in on nostalgia. I think it's a little more honest in what it is trying to do and accomplish. So I think I'm actually going to give a soft Tony Award to Million Dollar 
a quartet. I could change my mind in the future. Who knows what could happen? It is now time to rank Memphis against all of the other musicals we have talked about here on the podcast. Now, I have made a lot of changes in the past week to our ranking, okay? And as always, if you want to check out this ranking, go to twitter.com slash musicalmanpod. Give us a follow. Go to the like section. Click on the first tweet you find there. The second tab of the Google sheet you go to will be this ranking that I am about to give to you. I'm going to tell you the whole thing because we have made so many changes. Normally, I wait until we hit some sort of milestone, you know, like episode 50, episode 100. We will do this again in episode 100, to be sure. But because I made so many changes, I just want you to know where all of these shows stand. Now, of course, we have a few shows in the Phantom Zone, Big Deal, James Joyce is the Dead, Quilters, Merlin, After Midnight, and Moving Out. I wasn't able to make a hard judgment there. Here are all of the other shows that we have ranked. I'm going to start at the bottom. Number 83, those who are in the know will know that Miss Saigon was at the bottom of our list for a very long time, but number 83 is now The Lieutenant, followed by Miss Saigon at number 82. Number 81, Starlight Express. Number 80, Avenue Q. 79, Star Mites. 78, Swinging on a Star. 77, Leader of the Pack. 76, Tootsie. 75, School of Rock. 74, Blues in the Night. 73, Groundhog Day. 72, Pump Boys and Dinettes. 71, Crazy for You. 70, Golden Boy. 69, Sugar. 68, Bubbling Brown Sugar. 67, The Goodbye Girl. 66, The Happy Time. 65, Hair. 64, Big River. 63, South Pacific. 62, Ragtime. That's right. I let them out of jail. I allowed them to rise a bit. Rise a great distance, actually. Let's continue with number 61, Cats. 60, Xanadu. 59, Monty Python's Spamalot. 58, Shrek the Musical. 57, An American in Paris. 56, Grind. 55, Applause. 54, Nice Work If You Can Get It. 53, The Wedding Singer. 52, The Wild Party. 51, Raisin. 50, Once. 49, Dear Evan Hansen. 48, The Lion King. 47, Wanda Diana, Carnival Mass. 46, City of Angels. 45, Jamaica. 44, Me and My Girl. 43, Memphis. There you are, Memphis. Number 42, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope. Number 41, The Phantom of the Opera. 40, No Strings. 39, Woman of the Year. 38, Once on This Island. 37, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. 36, Kinky Boots. 35, Funny Girl. 34, Amour. 33, Les Miserables. 32, Rags. 31, Rent. 30, Avita. 29, Kiss Me Kate. 28, Ain't Misbehaven. 27, Bring Into Noise. Bring Into Funk. 26, Hades Town. 25, The Most Happy Fella. 24, Kiss of the Spider Woman. 23, A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder. 22, Man of La Mancha. 21, Hairspray. Natasha Pierre and The Great Comet of 1812. Number 19, Grey Gardens. Number 18, Candide. Number 17, The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. Number 16, The Producers. 15, Passing Strange. 14, Waitress. 13, Hello Dolly. 12, Guys and Dolls. 11, You're in Town. 10, The Scarlet Pimpernel. 9, Sweeney Todd. 8, The Light in the Piazza. 7, Company. 6, Into the Woods. 5, Parade. 4, Gypsy. 3, Dream Girls. 2, Caroline or Change. And number 1, a chorus line. Now I know why I don't do that very often. It is exhausting. Oh my goodness. I do have one fun piece of show-related ephemera for you. We are going to hear a bit of Little Richard's 1955 single, Tutti Fruity, which was written by Little Richard and Dorothy Labostri. I figured we should listen to a real Little Richard song. Why not? So here it is, Tutti Fruity, baby. show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the random number generator I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show, Fee-Fi-Fo-Fun. Everyone ready? Then away we go. Okay. 
Okay, all right. We have landed in the year 1997. This was a nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran for a scant, a scant 76 performances. The name of that show, do you know it? Do you know it at home? Yes, that's right. It's Steel Pier. So we'll be talking about Steel Pier next week. All righty. Okay. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Black Lives Matter organization. 100%. You can give one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you donate one dollar a month, you get Monday early access to all of our main feed episodes. You get a verbal shout out each and every week. So thank you for giving at least one dollar a month. Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marques, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. Thank you. You also get bonus episodes, bonus episodes regarding the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, a review of the film Cats, a review of the stage musical Emma, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, Hamilton via Disney+, Plus, Documentary Now, Original Cast Album Co-op, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, and Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square. You also get Season 1, 12 episodes of Radio Boy, and access to M3, the movie musical Man, a special monthly series for which we watch trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by a common theme. Our next episode is dropping on January 27th of this year, and the theme is rock and roll. We're talking about Phantom of the Paradise. We're talking about Voyage of the Rock Aliens. We're talking about Camp Rock, all right? If you donate $3 a month, you get everything I've already described, everything, Plus, you get a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing. You get Season 1, 10 episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, and you get a special one-off episode all about Julie and the Phantoms. If you donate $5 a month, you get everything I've already described. Plus, you get to stop the musical carousel and tell me what show I discuss on the podcast. You get to determine that. What musical that we haven't already talked about do you want me to talk about? You also get seasons one and two of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by The Phantom of the Opera. Thank you. You also get access to our Broadway in Chicago review series and Shout About It, volumes one and two. Those are collections of five, six, seven, eight ads and musical shoutouts from the first 50 episodes of the podcast. Finally, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus season one, 12 episodes of The Snub Club, a special series where we talk about Broadway musicals that were snubbed. They were never nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical, they were snubbed. Now, coming in April of this year, since we're in 2021, keep in mind, in April, we are going to be premiering a brand new $10 a month series called Turn It Off that's going to be a bi-weekly show about off-Broadway musicals. It's going to be aces, baby aces. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts, please take a moment to write a five-star review. Again, we have 34 reviews. No one's writing reviews. No one's writing reviews. It's actually, if I may be kind of honest here, I've tried to be a little bit nice in my honesty, but I'm going to be a little tough. I'm going to be a little tough. I'm disappointed. I'm disappointed in the lack of brand new five-star reviews because I know this, I know this show has a listenership, a dedicated listenership, and if every single one of you wrote a five-star review, it would really help the standing of the show, and yet we still only have 34 reviews. I want to get to 60 reviews, 65 five-star reviews, to be precise, because I want to give you a special episode all about Disney's Zombies franchise, but we're never going to get there if we never get that number up. So I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. I'm disappointed. I want to see more reviews. If you are streaming the show, you might be doing that in any number of ways. You might be doing that via Spotify, Stitcher, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. You can follow me on Twitter at musicalmanpod, and you can email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Send me suggestions for the cream pie cutie club send me your suggestions thanks as always to patty and benny for their tireless efforts their amazing support thank you to alex green for our beautiful logo and zach little thank you for our fabulous intro and outro music oh well you know what that sound means yes just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting oh well we'll catch up some other time specifically on the next episode of the musical man so long farewell off fetishin and good night
Tell me, my dear. Oh. Could it taste like prickly bubbles rising in a dark chamber? Mm. Um. Guinness Original. Original taste. Ah.